Hi everyone, my name is Miles Soret and I serve as the Assistant Director for Leadership in the Center for Student Engagement at George Washington University. I'm also happy to be your host for the NASA Leadership Podcast presented by the Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. My guest today is Stacy Mallorat. Uh, Dr. Stacy is originally from Orlando, Florida and attended the University of Southern Mississippi for her Bachelor's of Art degree in Psychology. She graduated from, in 1998 from the University of Central Florida with an MA in student personnel, and in 2007 with her doctorate in educational leadership. Her first professional position in student affairs was as a director of student activities at St. Joseph College in Indiana. She then joined UCF in 2001 and now serves as the director for the Lead Scholars Academy. Research interests include women in leadership, leadership programming, and high-impact practices. Stacy has twin eight-year-olds with her husband, Pedro. Welcome, Stacy. Hi, glad to be here, Amal. Yeah, yeah, so happy to have you. So we'll get started with a regular segment that we have called Rapid Fire. So I'm going to ask a big, silly question and limit you to 30-second responses. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. Okay, great. So uh, as an Orlando native, what's your preference, the, wizard, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter or Disney? That is a tough one since Orlando depends on the hospitality economy to survive, and I've frequently frequented both but I would have to say The Wizarding World of Harry Potter since my daughter just started reading the series and oh. is on the second book right now. And for Halloween, she's even going to be Hermione. So I have to say my allegiance is with, the, with Harry Potter this year. Mm, gotcha. Is that exciting? I'm, I'm, very, uh, I'm very excited about uh, when, when my son uh, is, able to, uh, is able to get into Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, what we did is she read the first book, and then we watched the first movie, and it was so funny. She was going, yep, that was in the book. Yep, that was in the book. She was, you know, using her critical thinking skills to look at the differences between the book and the movie, and so I think it really helped her, you know, grow in that way as well. Okay, great. All right, so uh, my next Orlando-based question, what's your preferred Orlando-based TV phenomenon, making the band or fresh off the boat? Uh, it's sad to say, but I haven't seen either show. Um, even though I am an Orlando native, I have not viewed those shows. But from what I know about them, I would have to say Making the Band because one of my claims to fame is I went to high school with Joy Fatone from NSYNC, and mm. boy bands have had such a significant impact on Orlando. So I have to go with the, my boy band because that was a big impact on me growing up as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Joey Fatone, what a, what a character. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, we, you mentioned that, that you have twins. What's unique about raising twins? Well, that's definitely a good question. Um, the first year after they were born, I was basically a zombie. Uh, my daughter didn't sleep through the night until she was 11 and a half uh, months old. So that part of my life is definitely foggy. But mm -hmm. today it is wonderful since they both are in the same grade, in the same school. They have similar after-school activities. They're interested in the same things. So entertaining them is much easier than if I had children with a large age gap. Like when we go to Disney, they can all go on the same ride. So that's the best thing about it. Mm. Yeah, that does sound nice. I, uh, my partner and I uh, have oftentimes discussed how nice it would be if we had uh, just had twins. I feel like it would have been, you know, awful for a little while, but, you know, you settle in and then, you know, 18 years at home and then you like, you know, it feels like you still have some vitality ahead of you by the time that they leave, yep. that they leave the house. So, you know, definite advantages there. Um, okay, great. So what do you think is the best book about leadership? 
My favorite book is called Leadership, the Eleanor Roosevelt Way by Robin Gerber, um, which is an interesting book that most people don't know about. But it, it looks at Eleanor Roosevelt from a historic viewpoint while also telling stories on how she was a leader at a time when women were not seen as typical leaders. Um, and it, it tells stories about how, for example, she did her own fireside chats like her husband did. And the only way that she would give newspapers the column to write about her fireside chat was if she was interviewed by a female reporter. So this mm. really made the journalism industry hire women reporters because everyone wanted her column in their newspaper. So just by that one um, statement, she really revolutionized the journalism world in becoming more gender, gender friendly towards women. Hmm. Wow, that's that's awesome. Um, okay, so the next segment is called Higher Ed Two Truths and a Lie. So I'm going to provide two stories from Higher Ed Current Events and one lie, and Stacey's going to have to parse out the lie. So the theme this week is campus amenities. Uh, okay. All right. So Stacey, here are your three options. Um, Swanee, aka the University of South uh, University of the South, announced a pilot to deliver mail on some remote parts of campus via drone starting in spring 2016. University Police Chief Samuel Dinkins noted the project has been thoroughly vetted by their office and, I quote, poses no safety threat to campus, our community members, or the beloved local bird population. So that's your first option, uh, uh, campus mail by drone. Uh, the next option is Rice University unveiled plans this week for a new student relaxation concept. The project, dubbed the Hangout, involves the installation of a portable set of 12 hammocks. Um, so, that's, so that's one option. And then your last option is Humboldt State University students protested recently over an institutional decision not to stock toilet paper in four residence halls on campus. One student was quoted as saying, not only is it putting an additional financial burden on students, it's causing social friction. Some people aren't buying their share of the toilet paper. Some people are hoarding toilet paper. It's causing a huge problem in the halls without it. Okay. Um, very different. Kevin's um, mm -hmm. <laughs> many. Um, that the drone, I, I don't know, that, that sounds very interesting, um, but I think that some students may feel some, uh, some issues with having drones on top of them all the time. So that's kind of an uneasy one for me. I think the rice is probably, the rice story is, is true, because we have hammocks here at UCF that you see pop up all over campus, so I don't see that as a problem. Now, the no toilet paper, um, I've heard about budget cuts, but I've never heard budget cuts that affect yeah. personal uh, hygiene products, like soap uh -huh. or, you know. So I would have to say the toilet paper, because I, I just can't see that as being something that a university would cut when other things could be cut before that. Okay. So uh, to start off with the, so uh, the Rice University, you did discern that. That is correct. Uh, the project is called The Hangout. I did, for some reason, uh, just in, in my mind of uh, creating fake scenarios here, I did create a fake quote by the president of Rice University for that one, even though it was true. I had to stop myself <laughs> halfway through that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I made up a thing about him 
comparing uh, the hammocks to nap pods. But anyway, so that one is true, even though I made up a fake quote uh, that I didn't read. And then um, uh, the drone one is fake. So that one uh, I made up. There will be, as far as I know, no campus mail delivering drones on, on Tawani's campus. Uh, yeah, the toilet paper one is real. Um, so, I can't believe that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little baffled by, uh, I, I don't know how much money that could save. It doesn't seem like it's, it's probably that much. But I also don't know how big Humboldt State University is, so maybe it's a lot. Unless um, they're doing but, it to make students take responsibility for their own items and it's not a budget issue, but yeah, I don't know. I think it, so uh, I, I'm remembering that it was a budget issue, but it was specifically saying that there are apartment-style buildings and in spaces like that that it should be uh, should be up to the to the students to provide that. So I'm not okay. n not totally sure, but I thought that uh, it was a good week for semi semi humorous uh, higher education current events, which is mm -hmm. good because it's not always that way. So. Um, Okay, great. So our next segment is designed to help the listeners understand uh, you as a person and professional. It's called Getting to Know Stacy. So how did you get your start in student affairs? Um, as an undergraduate at the University of Southern Mississippi, I was very involved in Greek life and student life, kind of the typical you know, student leader. I used to say I majored in Delta Zeta because I spent a lot of time <laughs> with my sorority. Um, but I was a psychology major. So I knew I needed to go to grad school, but I wasn't sure which program would be best for me with a psychology major. But the dean of students at the time, Dr. Joe Paul, was the one who really inspired me to go into the field because he had such a great relationship with students and, and really just breathed you know, the university and really wanted all students to succeed. And I wanted to have that same kind of impact on students. Uh, once I was in graduate school, my first supervisor, um, Dr. Mike Bosley, who is now a dean at Valencia College here in Orlando, really helped solidify my passion for student affairs. He was the coordinator for student activities at the time, and the, the assistantship helped me receive the education and the training necessary for me to become a director of student activities in my first professional position. Great, great. So what, uh, So from there, what uniquely drew you to leadership work? Well, at St. Joe's, I, I wasn't working in leadership per se. I was more of a generalist because it was a small private institution, and I was basically the campus life department. Uh, but I really enjoyed my work with the Student Government Association and helping students gain leadership skills necessary in order to become leaders with student organizations. And I love seeing students grow and develop as student leaders. Um, our program that I work for now allows students to learn about leadership in the classroom and apply it through service learning and co-curricular leadership opportunities. Um, but I most like to see students learn, develop, and grow through the first four years at the university and see them become leaders in their chosen field once they graduate, um, seeing them leave a legacy here at the university and really leave the university a different student than they came here as. Um, so this cycle of seeing students you know, grow from you know, timid or unsure first-year students to confident and assertive seniors um, really inspires me to stay in the profession and encourage other students who I meet along the way to seek out leadership development opportunities so that they too can grow and develop 
in the same way I've seen others do throughout the years. Hmm. Okay, great. Uh, so we're about to talk about the Lead Scholars Academy at the University of Central Florida. So, and we're going to talk about some great outcomes that, that you all have seen from your work there. But uh, when leadership work lacks effectiveness, what do you think has typically gone wrong? Leadership is not always, uh, does not always happen um, um, in a positive way. So I think when the right partnerships and supports are not in place, then leadership work can go awry. Um, leadership work is not just housed in the leadership development office, but it goes beyond to the classroom, as student affairs units, et cetera. And I think true collaboration is needed to help a student succeed. Um, success is not just the result of a good leadership development office, but I think it's a combination of good work from many different entities. And if support is not given from entities that are needed in order to um, help an initiative or a program succeed, then I think that's when leadership work can lo lose their effectiveness. Great. Okay, so we're going to transition to our last segment now, which is uh, certainly our most uh, significant one, which is six big leadership questions. So uh, Stacey, just to get us started, can you provide an overview of the different facets of the Lead Scholars Academy at the University of Central Florida? Sure. Um, Lead Scholars Academy is a curricular and a co-curricular leadership development program and has been in existence for 21 years now at the university. We have a two-year academic program for first and second year students and also programs for our transfer students to increase their leadership development skills. We also offer a leadership studies minor and a certificate for students who are interested in an academic credential and leadership studies. But I think the true impact that we have on students is through our high impact practices that we, um, that we base off George Ku's Nessie data and his recommendations. And we do so many different things to help students um, succeed through not only having leadership development classes, but living learning communities, service learning classes, small classes, capstone classes, um, and different things like that that help students learn about leadership in the classroom then are able to apply it effectively outside. Okay, great. So, uh, so you mentioned that uh, Lead Scholars Academy has really played a large role in the growth of UCF over the past 20 plus years. So can you sort of talk through that a little bit? Sure. So when we started in 1995, we started as a recruitment program for the university and we at UCF, um, UCF was a medium-sized school, was looking to grow not only in size, but in, in academic success and quality as well. And Lead Scholars Academy recruited high-achieving high school seniors to apply and choose UCF as their institution of choice. Um, so this did help a little bit with the overall growth and student quality. Um, but the number of students who have been in Lead Scholars has increased exponentially from a group of 50 in the beginning to now we have about 600 students through our um, different programs put together who are receiving um, leadership development um, coursework and, and, and are involved with our programs. Um, so today we've really transitioned from a recruitment program because we don't really have that as one of our goals anymore to a retention program. Um, and like I said, offering multiple high-impact practices to students inside and outside the classroom 
have really helped students become successful in their own right and eventually persist and graduate from the institution at a higher rate than their peers. Great. So uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, Lead Scholars is, uh, is a hybrid program that combines mm -hmm. curricular and co-curricular elements. So what challenges and opportunities do you find in bridging those areas? Well, I think, you know, anyone who's, who's gone through a master's program in student personnel or higher education administration has heard about struggles that student affairs professionals have um, and, you know, working with academic affairs sometimes, how they're two different um, sides of the, the house, but they really, um, there are opportunities to work together with academic affairs. And I think we've found a, a, um, a good way to do that through the Lead Scholars Academy by offering academic classes, but also offering the co-curricular experiences that are so important for students to be able to um, learn about leadership outside of the classroom environment. Um, so I think some challenges are just working with you know, faculty and administrators who you don't work with on a day-to-day -day basis in other student affairs units. Um, there's a different language, there's a different procedure and process, perhaps in academic affairs and student affairs. Um, but I think it's an opportunity as well because we continuously learn more about faculty. We learn about um, academic affairs and partnerships, but it gives us a seat at the table. Um, with academic affairs that a lot of my colleagues in other student affairs units aren't, um, aren't, you know, aren't able to have on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm really thankful for that opportunity to have that partnership with academic units. Okay, excellent. Um, so what is unique about the two-year program that you all facilitate for, for incoming UCF students? Sure. Well, I think allowing first-year students to take leadership classes right from the start um, may be unique, and combining that with a living learning community, um, I think it helps students take what they've learned from the classroom and apply it outside. Um, another thing that I think is unique is that some leadership programs wait till a student is maybe a sophomore or junior and have students apply based on their credentials in college, and we really look at students who are high school seniors and look at what they've done so far in high school, what their potential for leadership is. Um, I've heard some of your um, guests in the past talk about diamond polishing programs where um, students are you know, upperclassmen and may have had many leadership opportunities in order to become a student in one of those, those programs. And I see Lead Scholars Academy as more of a diamond miner. We get them when they're young help give them the skills and opportunities to develop those leadership skills in a safe environment uh, while also learning about leadership in the classroom. And then they're able to move on to some of these other leadership programs that they may be interested in um, later on in their collegiate career. Okay. So I know that you all uh, work really hard and really successfully engage transfer students in the leadership mm -hmm. programming, and, and that's a very a unique and meaningful uh, work. So can you tell me about how you all have successfully done that? Sure. Um, the majority of students here at UCF are transfer students. Um, UCF has articulation agreements with several state colleges in the area, and students who receive a AA degree at those institutions and have a 2.0 GPA are granted admission into UCF. And so the 
like I said, the majority of students here are transfer students, but the Lead Scholars Academy never really provided leadership development opportunities for these students since we were a program for freshmen and sophomores. So we developed semester-long semester leadership tracks, as we call them, to help transfer students learn about leadership on, on their own time. We decided to do semester-based programs instead of a two-year program since transfer students only have two years left here at the university. So we have programs that are specific to various leadership topics. So we have a women in leadership track, a multicultural leadership track, civic engagement. Um, we also have a global leadership track that we are launching in the spring. So students will take a leadership class, learn about these specific areas of leadership, and are able to do research in those areas as well. Um, and so I think it really helps transfer students learn more about leadership in a way that they may not have had the opportunity to, to do otherwise um, if we didn't offer these programs. Alrighty, so for our last of the six big leadership questions, you mentioned earlier that, uh, that there's a really positive relationship between, between your office and academic affairs. So what strategies, I, I think that there's real value in sort of continuing that conversation. So what strategies would you recommend for meaningful, meaningfully engaging with academic affairs? Well, I think you know, from the start you have to build those relationships. This, this is not a relationship that can start overnight. Um, it takes some time. It takes some strategy working with the senior student affairs officer and maybe another um, high-ranking academic affairs officer to see if we, you have the support from both sides of the house to have a partnership like we have in Lead Scholars Academy. Um, so I think building those relationships slowly but consistently is the best advice that I can give on how to engage with academic affairs. Um, also go to faculty senate meetings. Go to curriculum review um, meetings and become a part of the faculty side of life so that you are more aware of what the language is, what the policies are, how things get done in the academic side of the house so that when you do have a conversation with a faculty member or an administrator about your program, you're speaking the same language and you have an opportunity to build that relationship from a, a place that they are comfortable with. Okay. So thanks everyone for joining us for the NASPA Leadership Podcast presented by the NASPA Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. And thanks so much to Dr. Stacy Mallorette. Stacy, if you had one bit of advice to give to an aspiring student leadership practitioner, what would you pass along? Um, I would say get involved not only with your university or your college that you work at, but look at the national organizations like, like NASPA. Listen to podcasts like this. I was telling you, Miles, you know, when we met earlier that um, I listen to the podcast on my commute to work. After I drop off my kids at school, I switch from the radio to a, a leadership podcast or a higher ed podcast, and that really helps me um, stay relevant in the field, learn about, or learn about what's going on um, in, current, in current issues, and it helps me stay up to date. So I would tell aspiring practitioners to just stay up to date, and if you don't have a lot of time, podcasts are a great way to do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that 
seeking out seeking out additional information and engaging in sort of a culture of lifelong learning is so essential. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, great. So to find out more about the Lead Scholars Academy, you can email Stacy directly at malaret at ucf.edu, and that's M-A-L-A-R-E-T at ucf.edu, or you can also just Google UCF Lead Scholars Academy, and it's the first result. Uh, I'm glad that we can just say Google now instead of having to talk about URLs. It's a lot mm-hmm. easier. Um, and you can also uh, get more information about the Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community on our various social media outlets, including facebook.com backslash SALead, on Twitter at NASPASLPKC, on Instagram at NASPA underscore SLPKC. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Miles, that's M-Y-L-E-S, underscore Surrett, that's S-U-R-R-E-T-T. And finally, if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, we would love to hear about your program, so please shoot an email to naspaleaderpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much, Stacey. Thank you.